Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to this week's edition of Empowered by the Spirit, hosted by Deacon Steve Greco of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. For the next hour, join Deacon Steve and his guests as they share their testimonies, love of their Catholic faith, and the importance of the Holy Spirit in all our lives. Now, here's Deacon Steve. Hi, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco, high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Christ Cathedral, and you're on Empowered by the Spirit. And I am unbelievably excited to have Father Justin, a Norbertine priest from St. Michael's Abbey, to talk about a very special celebration. Welcome to the show, Father Justin. Thank you for having me, Deacon Steve Greco. I am really uh, excited to be able to share a little bit about what uh, what St. Michael is doing for uh, the Abbey here at St. Michael's in Silverado, California. And before we go any further, this Abbey is like being in heaven. It is just absolutely incredible. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Abbey before we get into the celebration. And you know, it's been it's been a while now, I guess, since it's been built, but it continues to just shine like the light of Christ. Tell us about it. Well, thank you for um, for that nice introduction. Yes. Um, so the Abbey here was dedicated just last year, 2021, on May um, the 4th, and we had a lot of the bishops here, a lot of clergy, a lot of people. It was a full house, and the, um, the Abbey was built because uh, we had been um, wanting to expand not only the location where we were at, uh, about eight miles from the current Abbey now, and uh, God had blessed us with many, many vocations, and we needed to have a place for them to live because we were living in trailers, or they were living in trailers before. So we went from the trailers to this uh, beautiful place here, uh, as you referred to as a heavenly place. And um, after the dedication, uh, we have Masses every Sunday, three Masses on Sunday, and we've got a lot of people uh, from all denominations, but mostly Catholic, who come to visit and uh, to spend some time in the quiet here. It's uh, it's a beautiful area here in the canyon, and a lot of people that come, uh, either they bike down here, um, or they just uh, come down to the little city of Silverado, they see the tower, and they're curious. So they come up, and then they ask questions, and, they, and we show them the church, and we have a lot of things to teach people about the faith in the church itself, just by looking at the art, by looking at the structure, by looking at the um, architecture of the church. And um, we finally finished the big mosaic. We had a, a mosaic that was made in Venice, and then all the workers came here, and they installed this uh, beautiful mosaic of Our Lady of the Assumption, as she's, as she's being assumed to heaven. That's the name of the actual dedicated church. And uh, that was just finished a couple of months ago. So people come to see that, and it's, it's just really a marvelous um, uh, instruction on Revelation 12, from uh, the sacred scripture, you know, um, there a great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And that's uh, depicted there, she's 17 feet uh, tall. And as one of the uh, installers said, that's the most beautiful 17-foot woman I've ever seen. Oh, praise <laughs> and, God. <laughs> praise God. Well, it yeah. is... There's no words to describe um, the feeling that you have of holiness, the feeling of touching God when you're in this abbey. It is amazing. And I've been blessed to be Father Leo Chilano, for example, you know, and may he rest in peace, was my spiritual director for many years. And I've had other Norbertine spiritual directors. And, you know, this order, my brothers and sisters, is a very special one. In fact, vocations are thriving, correct? That's correct. We have 43 seminarians for our abbey here, and we have about uh, 55 priests 
that uh, that serve here in the Diocese of Orange, as well as in Los Angeles, in San Diego, in Fresno. And um, we keep getting uh, young men coming here because they want to live a community life. They want to live um, in a monastery like ours, and then also have pastoral ministry in the, in the area that we're called to. So um, we've been very blessed, and God is continuing to bless us in that way. And, and now we have more room to actually take them in. Well, for all those that may be discerning priesthood that are listening to the show right now, God is tapping on the shoulder and really saying to you, check out the Norbertines because they are an order that is, in my opinion, second to none as it relates to to being on fire for Jesus Christ and the sacraments and the orientation towards the Eucharist. And we are in the Eucharist revival years here to revive the church. And of course, as I have done many times, an orientation towards reconciliation and forgiveness. And how often is reconciliation uh, at the Abbey? So we uh, we have confessions every day from one to four. Uh, here in, in the Abbey Church. So anyone that wants to come between those hours, there's always at least two confessors that are hearing uh, confessions. And uh, we we actually, on the weekends, we have long lines. So if you come during the week, it's probably not going to be as long, but um, we always have um, those available. And of course, when people come and ask for confession, we, we don't refuse it if it's not within those hours. Um, and you mentioned uh, something that which is really kind of beautiful, that you had known Father Leo, as, and he was your spiritual director, and he was a spiritual director to many people, and that was one of the things he did often. He, he, When people would come and talk, and they said, you know, I've got these problems, he said, when was the last time you went to confession? <laughs> <laughs> and you always went to confession when you, you visited him for spiritual direction. Exactly. You know? and, and, you know, I have to say, Father, one of my favorites is he'd say, and what else, my son? <laughs> what else? So it was not a two-minute confession, that's for sure. He allowed the Holy Spirit to go deep within you in which you you really had an examination of conscience to say, what is blocking me from getting closer to Christ? And that's just a huge part of where we are as followers of Jesus Christ, as Catholics. We need to get deeper and deeper. And certainly the Norbertines, the Abbey, and everything they do help us to do that. That's it. Yes, exactly. So as we look at the the Abbey, it is amazing experience. Again, check it out. Check out the Mass Times and come. But it's called St. Michael's. And this show is about talking about the ancient tradition of Michaelmas. Is that how you pronounce it or how do you pronounce it? Yes, that's what they say. They, they say Michaelmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there is, you know, Christmas and that's the Christ Mass. Okay. And that's when we celebrate, you know, the the birth of Christ. Well, we uh, we celebrate Michael's Mass, or St. Michael the Archangel's Mass, and we call it Michael Mass. And uh, that's actually a, a feast that has been celebrated in the uh, the Catholic Church, and we, we know that it's been celebrated because it's in one of the sacramentaries and that was used in the 5th century already, the Gelasian, I think it's Gelasian, um, sacramentary. And that feast was celebrated around the 29th or the 30th of September. And uh, it's been celebrated in the Church uh, ever since on the 29th uh, of September. And um, it's now, I believe, it's celebrated along with the other two archangels, St. Raphael, as well as St. Gabriel. But at one time, it was just celebrate St. Michael. He was highly venerated uh, in the Church. And we know that he's, he's mentioned in the Sacred Scriptures. He's mentioned as the protector of Israel. Uh, he's also mentioned as the guardian of the dead. And then the most important is he's the angel warrior who defeated Satan and cast him out of uh, heaven after he had disobeyed um, Almighty God. So he's been revered for many centuries in the Catholic Church, but even before that, uh, as we know from the Old Testament, he had uh, a prominent role there as well. So as we focus on this very important tradition, it reminds me that the Abbey, of course, is called St. Michael's Abbey. What's the connection with the Norbertine Order and St. Michael? Well, uh, 
he's always been revered in the in our order as a great warrior and as a um, a great defender uh, against the evil one. And our order kind of was started in 1121, and as you know, and during that time, there were uh, military campaigns uh, in the Holy Land. And uh, so we had a lot of our first saints of our order, that, and young men that came into the order were actually crusaders. And uh, so they had this military spirit, uh, which was translated into uh, a military giving of oneself to God in religious life after they had served in the, um, as warriors in the Holy Land and were disillusioned by what was going on there. Uh, they came back, um, and they went into the monasteries. And uh, St. Norbert, our founder, he inspired many by his preaching and by hearing confessions and many of those things. He inspired many men who were disillusioned and who had actually gone into the um, into battle and the Crusades, uh, and they had come back uh, to enter religious life and to give themselves as soldiers. So one of the ideas was to fight the devil and fight our own um, passions like a soldier would with discipline and the life of prayer and to embrace that. So that was that's part of the reason why St. Michael plays a, a big role uh, for us. But also this abbey, St. Michael's Abbey, was founded from another abbey. And the abbey um, in Hungary, where um, uh, seven of our fathers came to the to the United States because the Abbey had been closed by the communists during the uh, revolution in uh, Hungary. They came here in the 1950s, and uh, that Abbey was called St. Michael's Abbey. And that Abbey had been there since um, 1180. And what the Tartars and what all these other enemies of the Church had tried to do and, and never did, the Communists did. They actually closed down that abbey and started using it for their own um, their own ends. And the fathers were all expelled or imprisoned, and we had seven of them who left and actually had to cut through uh, barbed wire and walk through uh, landmines and find their way into the free country of Austria at the time, and then finally made their way out here. And then they founded the first abbey, and those were the seven fathers, and they came from the abbey of St. Michael's in Hungary, which had, which had been there for, for centuries. September 29th now is the actual day of the celebration? Uh, yes, yeah, so the feast, the feast of St. Michael and the Archangels is on the, the 29th of September. Correct. Okay. And is there any particular special activities happening at the Abbey on that day? Yes. So uh, here at the Abbey, what uh, we've done is that we've, we have a, a festivity that uh, we've always had in the past. We've invited uh, the clergy to come on St. Michael's Day, the local clergy here from Los Angeles and Orange County, to celebrate with us on that day. Um, but now we've kind of opened it. We have that still, but we also opened it to, um, to any of the public that would like to, to join us. And what is really interesting on that day is um, there's a phenomenon that's happening that happens here in our church. And I just wanted to say that our faith is so tangible uh, through the sacraments and sacramentals like rosaries, like the sacred music, like uh, icons, art, architecture. These are real powerful tools to draw us up to heavenly realities. They, in a sense, they kind of unite heaven and earth. Well, even the architecture here at the Abbey Church reflects uh, this in a very powerful way on the Feast of St. Michael on the 29th of uh, September. The light, the sun, will go through and pass through the rose window of our Abbey Church. Oh, wow. And that, and that light that comes in comes through that rose window, and it rests directly on the high altar on the 29th at Vespers, while we're singing the Magnificat in dedication oh, to Our goodness. Lady. That light comes and rests right on the altar. And with the exception of the California missions, this solar geometry is, is rare in the United States. It's more common in the Old World, especially in Europe. There's a lot of those churches built that way. But we had a, um, an architect who was uh, from France, and he wanted to make sure that that element was there to show or to remind us of the intense power and grace of every Mass when our Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, descends onto the altar. It's an illustration 
of the the unity of heaven and earth that happened 2,000 years ago when God became incarnate in the flesh of the Blessed Virgin Mary and has occurred at every Mass since. So that's a real special day. So people will come for Vespers. They'll be able to see that. And it's just, a, it, it, last year was our first year when this happened. and It was just really spectacular. And then after that, we, were, we have a celebration afterwards where uh, a lot of our um, young men here that are in formation have been working very hard in this past year in, in, in making uh, the Abbey Ales or, um, you know, beer that they have brewed specifically for this celebration. And that will be uh, served at the celebration after Vespers as well as uh, food, and uh, it'll be a, a very uh, great celebration with a lot of folks from around the area. Well, this is so incredibly exciting, and I highly recommend it. I can't recommend it enough to be able to experience this and, and really get to meet and understand the the charisms of, of the priests from the Abbey. Uh, what time, you know, you're going to have a big crowd, I'm sure. What time do you recommend people showing up? So the... Um the actual Vespers, which anyone can attend to, that starts at 5 p.m. in the evening. You'll just come right into the church, and um, we usually process in at 5 o'clock when the, uh, the bell rings. And we come into the church, and uh, we begin to sing Vespers, and you'll be able to see the light of that sun going through the window uh, in different parts of the church, and then rest eventually on the altar, usually around about 520 or so when we're singing the Magnificat of Our Lady. Um, and that's that was a spectacular thing. So if, if anyone uh, would like to come, they can always come for Vespers any day of the, of the, of the week. It's always at 5 p.m., but on that day is when it's, it's spectacular because the sun hits the altar, the high altar of the church. They're, they're about at Vespers time. I highly recommend it. Again, it's an experience that really is transforming in terms of one's faith. And it's something that is is very important. Now, this is actually a fundraiser also. Yeah, so it, it's a ticketed event for after after the um, Vespers. Anyone's welcome to Vespers. You don't have to have a ticket to go into the church and pray and, and come and pray uh, evening prayer with us. But uh, afterwards, the celebration and the, the food and everything else is a ticketed event that you can go online. If you go to um, stmichaelsabbey.com or abbeynews.com, you can go on our website and then it'll have all the information in there. Okay, super. We want to support the Abbey in, in such a significant way, and we want to support what they're doing to build up the body of Christ because, you know, it's very important, and people may not be aware of this, but they go out to the various parishes throughout the Diocese of Orange and beyond and serve Mass and, and are there to help us. And uh, they, of course, have their own parish at, at uh, St. John the Baptist in Costa Mesa. But I know at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, where I was have been a deacon for over 15 years, over the years, uh, many Norbertine priests have come. And that's where I got to know Father Augustine Pugner um, right. that actually came there. So, so come again on the 29th. There's dinner. The fundraiser, we want to support the Abbey in every way we can. Now, I want to talk about music and in relationship to the Norbertines, too. I say music from the standpoint of chanting the, the, all the priests together and the way that it is so unbelievably heavenly. Tell us about that tradition and, and what happens at Vespers, for example, and, and, and during the Mass, at, at each Mass that, that you have there. Yes, yeah, so um, first, uh, just the chanting. You know, every priest and uh, deacon, anyone in the clergy, as well as any professed religious uh, brother or sister, were bound to say or to pray what we call the divine office. And the divine office, of course, uh, that comes from the Latin word officium, officium which means uh, it's our duty. It's our divine duty, and that's to pray. And so we have a, a set book, which we call the Liturgy of the Hours, which we pray throughout the day. And it's usually composed of seven different distinct times where you come into the church or you pray these seven hours. Well, as Norbertines and as religious here, um, we don't just say those prayers, we actually sing them. 
and that's called chanting. And we'll chant some of those in Latin, some of those in the, in the vernacular. But we'll chant those beginning early in the morning, at 5 in the morning, with what is called uh, the first hour of the day, which is uh, matins, um, and then lauds, and then we have the three small hours, which are the midday, the um, mid-morning, midday, and mid-afternoon, and then we have vespers, and then we have compline, which is the very last um, office hour that we pray. And all of those hours, we go into the church, and we chant the psalms that are assigned for that specific day. And the reason why we do this is because not only is it part of our obligation, our our duty, but it's something that um, St. Paul tells us, you know, he says, pray always, pray constantly. And it's a constant reminder to us that throughout the day, in sacred scripture, it says that the just man falls seven times a day. And if we fall seven times a day, then we should be praying seven times a day to get up um, and pray not only for ourselves, but for the rest of the world. So we chant all those uh, psalms throughout the day, um, beginning in the morning and ending late in the evening. And then we also chant the Mass every day, depending on the rank of the feast. Uh, And we use the ancient chants of the Church, which uh, are known as Gregorian chants, because they were kind of codified by St. Gregory the Great or encouraged. And um, some of those chants, uh, you know, they go way back to, you know, the 4th, 5th century. And then other ones are more, um, they came in later, but... What it does for us is it, we pray, we, and we pray to God for the world, for all the needs uh, of the world and all the people that come and ask for our prayers. But it also connects us to all the past generations that have been chanting those very same hymns, same psalms for hundreds of years. And it, it shows us in a certain sense that we're connected not only to those generations, but ultimately back to Christ himself, and even to the uh, patriarchs of the Old Testament, who, as fathers, the great patriarch fathers, they, they would hear those chants in the temple when they would go into the temple and pray, because the priests would chant those things. And even though the chants were a little bit different, I'm, I'm sure they were very different, it connects us to all of this beautiful prayer of the Church. Uh, and even prayer of the the, the patriarchs um, who had the, the faith, you know, to be able to pass on and to eventually to give birth to um, to the Savior of the world. So it connects us to so much uh, patrimony, and it also reminds us that from so many generations, people have been worshiping God, the one true God, and um, have been praying in these same very words. Uh, for generations, and it gives so much more meaning. That's why they're chanted also, because it gives it a certain solemnity to it. And it gives us also kind of a certain, there's a certain peace that comes with it as well, that um, gives us assurance that uh, our prayer is being heard because it is the official prayer of the Church. And it's like Christ, we're joining Christ and worshiping or uh, giving praise to his almighty father and we participate in that act of worship and this is something again that you just have to experience my brothers and sisters i cannot recommend it enough st michael's abbey uh in silverado correct that's correct and please look it up look at their website Find a way of getting there for a mass, for vespers, for certainly on the 29th at, at before 5 p.m. It starts at 5, but you want to get there early. It is a heavenly experience. I wanted to spend a couple more minutes before the break here to talk about a scripture verse uh, that is very important to me, and that's First Thessalonians 5, uh, 17 and 18. It says, pray without ceasing in all circumstances. Give thanks for this is the will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, the pray without ceasing. The reality is we are called to pray constantly. And when you talk about all these times during the day, but part of what really hit me when I was listening to you is the whole reality of the communion of saints. Because when you're chanting, when the priests are all chanting, I believe they're not alone chanting, right? That, that they're, they're lifting up as sweet incense to the Lord. Tell us about that, about that prayer, the power of prayer, and that the intercessory prayer and communion of saints that really is happening simultaneously. Yeah, that's, 
that's a really uh, good observation there. Uh, when we pray, you know, when we, when we say any of the prayers, we always say through Jesus Christ our Lord, you know. So we're praying, and, and it's through Christ that we, you know, we approach the Heavenly Father. He's the mediator between us and, and God. And so there's a lot of mediation happening, you know. Uh, God is almighty, so he's got all his angels, obviously. They mediate as well. Then you've got all the saints, and they mediate as well. And then you've got all of the other people that here are on earth, you know, in the church militant, who we can ask for their prayers. We can ask for their intercession as well. And so when we pray these psalms, we're not just praying them me individually, but I'm praying it in union with all the, the fathers that are praying with me, you know, and depending on the day, sometimes there's, you know, close to 100 of us there, and sometimes, you know, there's 50 or, you know, 30 or whatever. But it's not just them, it's also the cloud of witnesses that surround us, which are all the saints, beginning with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the holiest of all, the angels, and then, you know, all the other saints, uh, St. Michael included. And it's it's one act of worship to the Almighty uh, Almighty God, and um, the the beauty of of this is that even in our church we have all the, the altars and the altars have relics in them, and the relics which were solemnly uh, placed in there by a bishop or um, a cleric, those um, relics that were encased there are remains or relics of saints which is a reminder to us that their mortal remains are still here on earth, but they're in heaven praising God Almighty together with us. And so in a sense, when we pray in the Church, when we have Mass, when we have the sacred liturgy of the hours, we are praying in union with them, and even though their mortal remains are in their altars and waiting for the resurrection of the dead on the last day, they are in heaven and they join us in a sense, and we join them in the uh, the divine praise. And that's why those prayers are more efficacious, and they're far stronger and, and um, have greater um, effect than even our own personal prayers, because they're in union with the Church, with Christ as the head, uh, worshiping Almighty God, and uh, and then gives a lot of uh, power to to those prayers. We're with Father Justin, who is a Norbertine priest. We're talking about this very, very uh, exciting opportunity, St. Michael's Feast Day, Michaelmas, which is September 29th, beginning at Vespers at 5 p.m., and then followed by by a dinner. And it's an opportunity to support seminarians. And tell us a little bit about that and the support of the seminarians. Yes, so Michaelmas is uh, we've been dedicated now to the support of the young men that are laying down their lives for Christ. Uh, these are men who they're in the eight ages of, in their twenties. Um, the oldest one I think that entered this year was in his twenty nine, and the, these men uh, were at the university. Some of them were already uh, they held jobs, and uh, they heard the call. They heard the call from God, and, and like the apostles. When they heard Christ uh, and they left their nets behind and they followed him, uh, they've done the same. And it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful to see how God still takes care of his people, that he's still calling young men to serve at the altar and to bring you know, the light of grace uh, and his own body and blood on the altar uh, to feed us and to nourish us. Um, and so, so part of the, our plan here is that in order for these young men to be supported in their, um, in their studies, um, we have uh, St. Michael's Day as part of a, lack of a better word, it's raising funds for their education and for their formation. Part of it is done here, part of it is done um, in Rome and uh, in and, and the House of Studies that we have. So this is a, a celebration of St. Michael, it's a celebration of these men laying down their lives uh, for our Lord, and it's also an opportunity for the local community and, and from afar uh, to support them in their endeavor to follow Christ and to serve Him at the altar and to serve basically the community of Catholics. And we look um, in some places, it's very sad, you know, because there's not a lot of vocations 
and uh, people are, um, you know, without a priest, they have no one to go to confession to, or they don't have the Holy Eucharist, they don't have Mass, and um, it's really sad to see that, and God is blessing us here, so I encourage people to, to support those young men who are laying down their lives for our Lord, and um, a great way of supporting them is to help them in their formation, and um, we provide everything for them here at the Abbey, but we need good souls to help us uh, provide for their uh, formation as well. This is Deacon Steve Greco. You're on Empowered by the Spirit with Father Justin, a Norbertine priest from St. Michael's Abbey. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk more about the ancient tradition and feast of Michaelmas. We'll be right back. God, I'm running for you. Spirit-Filled Radio shares gems of our Catholic faith each and every day. Here's a word from Deacon Steve Greco along with Father Augustine Puffner about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So many people go to priests that they don't know because they're afraid that, wow, what's the priest going to, priest really going to know me, you know, and all that. So tell us about that whole area. Well, first of all, don't be afraid to our listeners. Don't be afraid. And let me just say that as sincerely and gently as I can. Don't be afraid of confession of God, because God's mercy is that embrace of the loving Father who is waiting and watching for you to return to Him and to return to His love and to return home, home to the church, home to your spiritual family, where you will be embraced with great love and enthusiasm and will be supported. So I know that the fear factor is definitely something that we pray that everyone will overcome. For more great content, check out SpiritFilledEvents.com. That's SpiritFilledEvents.com. Spirit-Filled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. SpiritFilledEvents.com. It's the feeling you get when you see a familiar face in a crowd of strangers. It's the way the embrace of a loved one feels after a hard day. That feeling is comfort. And it's what we provide to families who turn to O'Connor Mortuary in their moment of need. More than just providing quality funeral service, we provide the necessary guidance and support to help Catholic families and people of all faiths and cultures process grief and heal their hearts. We are here to help every step of the way. For compassionate comforts in a time of loss, call O'Connor Mortuary in Laguna Hills. You can reach us at 949-581-4300. That's 949-581-4300. O'Connor Mortuary is a sponsor partner of Spirit-Filled Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco. You're back on Empowered by the Spirit, and I am incredibly thankful and excited to have Father Justin, who is with us from St. Michael's Abbey. Again, welcome back to the show, Father. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Deacon Greco. It's great to be here again. And, and to talk about St. Michael, the great archangel. Yeah, the, the great archangel. And again, for those just tuning in, there is a great feast day here, St. Michael's Feast Day, on September 29th at the Abbey. Uh, tell us again about it and, and how they can participate. Yes, well, uh, you can participate in many different ways. On the 29th, we have Vespers at 5 p.m. here at St. Michael's Abbey, which is in Silverado, California. And if you are far away and you can't come to California, Southern California, you can always uh, join us online because it's going to be um, online that day. It's going to be live. And uh, the beautiful uh, occurrence that happens every year on the 29th is that the sun uh, comes through a rose window in the Abbey Church and it rests, the light rests on the altar at Vespers, uh, reminding us how um, heaven and earth are being united by Christ uh, and the way he's created things uh, here on earth. So you're all welcome to come. It's on at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and if you can't be here in person, you can always uh, join us online. We're live. Which is fantastic. And then again, there's a very special event following and, and tell us about that. 
Yes. Yeah, so then after um, after vespers, after evening prayer, and after um, we've uh, processed out, we usually have um, a gathering, which is a, a kind of a, a fundraiser for our seminarians, and um, we raise funds to help them in their formation and in their education. Uh, we have about 40, we have 43 of them. And, uh, of course, educating and, and doing everything for them is, is costly. So we rely on the charity of uh, many people who come for that event and who participate at Vespers, but then after join us for dinner. And uh, the seminarians have been working also on um, brewing some uh, some beer. We call it Abbey Ales. And they are only served on that day. And people are joined with the camaraderie and getting to know who these young men are that they are supporting, as well as enjoying a, a great meal with them uh, that evening. This is an event that you do not want to miss. I highly recommend it. September 29th, beginning at 5 p.m. Vespers. And if you've never experienced the Abbey or never experienced Vespers, you need to come. It is absolutely amazing. The chanting, just the spirituality is really, you feel like you're in heaven and, and just experiencing the Abbey itself. And then again, the support for the dinner of the seminarians Many, 43, I think you said, uh, they need our help. They need our support. They need our prayers, but I, they need our financial support, too. And this is something that's very important. These are seminarians, God willing, will become future priests, and we need them. You know, we're in a position right now where we simply don't have enough priests to fulfill what we need within the Diocese of Orange and beyond, you know, in Southern California. And so the Norbertines currently are working at, do you know how many parishes, by the way, that they show up for Mass? Yes, there's, um, depending on the diocese, I think altogether we're in about uh, 35 different parishes in the Southland. Yeah, which is incredible. You know, and I'll put it another way. Without the Norbertines, we'd be in a world of hurt here in terms of, of serving the needs of Catholics and the parishioners and the parishes. And, and I know that all the pastors are so incredibly thankful. So I know Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry, Empowered by the Spirit, this radio show, I'm a director of evangelization and formation, faith formation in the Diocese of Orange. The Diocese, Spirit-Filled Hearts, all of us, are indebted and thankful to the Norbertines. And so uh, from the bottom of my heart, I would ask that you support the Norbertines during this very special feast day, but but always, quite frankly. You know, there are other events and other things that you can do to support the Norbertines. And, and uh, it, is, it is one of the most important things I think we can do here in the Diocese of Orange is work in unison with the Norbertines that help us in so many different parishes. Now, as I mentioned before, you know, I have a long history of having spiritual directors that are Norbertine. Father Norbert was another one for many years. And, you know, quite frankly, they have made a gigantic difference in my life, you know, becoming a deacon, becoming a uh, evangelist, forming a ministry, doing everything we're doing, radio show. And they have been really, really inspirational. But it's very, very important that uh, we understand. And one of the things I've learned is is that we're in spiritual warfare. We have Jesus, obviously, as our Lord and Savior, um, but we have an enemy that wants to block our spirituality, block our growth, block our becoming holy in the way that God wants us to be holy. And St. Michael the Archangel plays a very significant role in intercession and helping us. A lot of people are not aware of the role of the archangels, of St. Michael the Archangel, and certainly the intercession of the holy angels. But let's talk about the role of St. Michael the Archangel, because I think that really relates to the importance of the feast day. Your thoughts, Father? Mm-hmm. Well, St. Michael the Archangel, um, as we know, probably very popularized, he, he's earned the role as patron of those who deal with deadly scenarios, like first responders. He's their, their patron or paramedics, uh, paratroopers, police officers, military personnel, among others. And, and so that tells you a little bit about uh, St. Michael already, because if he's, um, he's their patron, is because they're there uh, in tragic situations, unfortunately, and uh, they they need inspiration also. And so here is this great angel who is their uh, patron. 
But I think if we look at our life, our spiritual life, there are a lot of tragedies in our in our spiritual life, and sin is the the biggest one of all. And oftentimes uh, we are influenced by by bad people, sometimes by bad situations, and so we need the protection, we need the help of God's grace, obviously, and then also of all his angels that have come to help us, whether it's um, our guardian angel or St. Michael. When we look at how God created uh, the universe, you know, he created great lights, it says, you know, these great lights, who were they? You know, these are the angels. And when he created all these angels, um, they're so far superior to us in their nature. And they were created with such great power. And so many of them, we, we know, turned against God, and it was Satan who led, you know, the revolt. And, and Lucifer, of course, was one of the greatest angels, one of the, the most intelligent of all angels, and he fell because of pride. And yet, St. Michael, who's just a, a simple archangel in his humility, always remained faithful, and he led the war, as we hear about it in Revelation, and cast out Satan and all of his minions and sent them to hell. So we see that the power of that humility of this angel, uh, St. Michael, was able to defeat the pride of those angels that were even higher in their in their nature, in, their, in the choir that they were in. They were seraphim. Yeah. And uh, he cast them out. And so in, in our own spiritual life, sometimes we think, gosh, I can't get over this. I, there's no way I can be able to overcome these sins. I'm, I can't overcome these. And we have to rely, and first of all, God's grace is more powerful than our sins, and that God gives us the means uh, through the sacraments and also through these great angels who are guardians for us to defeat um, the onslaughts of the evil forces of the devil. And St. Michael, as we, as we know, has always been invoked, especially in those moments of great trial, even in the Church. St. Leo the Thirteenth, particularly, he authored that beautiful prayer that is traditionally said after Mass to St. Michael. And the reason being that the evil angels, the fallen angels, they especially want to attack us when we try to follow Christ, when we try to follow Him in simplicity and humility, because they don't want us to go to heaven. They want us to be in their misery and hell. So St. Michael has always been looked at as the uh, the model of uh, someone who fights the good fight and is able, is able to overcome the devil. And that's why we have such a great devotion to him here at St. Michael's. Um, but we should all have that great devotion to him because he is powerful in his intercession. And um, he reminds us that um, we cannot give in to the, uh, to the assaults of the devil and that we have to have the spiritual warfare um, nature that he has. And we have various prayers, of course, in the Diocese of Orange, I'm sure beyond, you know, after each Mass, we have a prayer to St. Michael for protection. We also have other opportunities. Tell us about the litany to St. Michael. Yeah, there's a, there's a beautiful litany uh, written to St. Michael, and there's also a chaplet uh, to St. Michael that, that are... are um, ways to increase our devotion to him. And in, in, in those two, it just, it's, it's a reminder to us of the power that the angels have, and particularly St. Michael in, um, in the struggle with evil and in and, and the spiritual warfare. We all, in a sense, are in a struggle from the moment that we're born, uh, and that struggle between uh, the forces of darkness and then the light of God's grace. And we have to constantly fight against uh, our temptations, uh, whether they be uh, our own passions, our own emotions. But even more so now, we're seeing that there is this growing cult towards uh, things that are very um, diabolical. And we need to curb that uh, with a, a devotion to the holy angels, and in particular to St. Michael. And the titles that he's given as Prince of you know, the Heavenly Forces uh, remind us that we're in the winning team, and that with his uh, assistance, with his help, we can overcome um, the temptations of the world and the flesh and of um, vanity, etc. My brothers and sisters... 
in my lifetime anyway, and maybe it's just the way I feel, I think this is the most important critical time of our lives. This is a time of a great battle that is going on right now, the battle against the secular culture that basically if you tell people what you believe in as a Catholic, you go to daily mass, frequent reconciliation, your prayer life, they look at you like you have two heads, like crazy. You know, I work a lot. I'm in, responsible for youth, teens, college campuses, all under my jurisdiction here at the Diocese of Orange. And, you know, we work with Focus Ministry, uh, the Focus Missionaries. And it is so, so incredible right now where we are versus, say, when I was growing up in terms of the culture. We need, my brothers and sisters, more than ever, an incredibly strong prayer life. We need to be praying the rosary every day, Divine Mercy Chaplet. We need to have daily mass, frequent reconciliation. Your thoughts, Father Justin, on this, you know, uh, on the battle we face and how we need spiritual weapons and tools to encounter, to block and, and fight off evil in the world and, and within our, our hearts and this constant war that's going on, uh, why we, we have to have a strong prayer life and have a devotion to the Blessed Mother and devotion to the holy angels and saints that can help intercede for us. Yes, uh, you're right. There are a lot of things that are in our society which uh, point us in the wrong direction and, and are leading us away from from God. Um, and all you have to do is just turn on, you know, a TV or, or watch a movie or, or look at, uh, you know, anything in the uh, uh, on the internet. There's so much uh, to distract us from our true destiny, which is heaven. And uh, and if we're not close to the things of God, then we become close to something else, and usually uh, that leads us away from God and into um, very sad ways that they end up kind of condemning us. So uh, so it's really important that first and foremost we're all baptized. If we're baptized, then we belong to God, and and we have to begin to live that baptism uh, seriously. And part of that means the frequent reception of the sacraments particularly confession and receiving Holy Communion, because that's going to give us nourishment, that's going to make us strong, and that's going to help us to fight the good fight. And along with that, it's, it's like when you have a meal, you eat, you know, good and hearty food, but it's seasoned with other things. You know, you put seasoning in order to make it taste good. Not that Christ doesn't taste good. Of course, he, he is. He's everything. But, but what seasons that food is, is the, uh, the devotions that we have. So uh, the rosary, the divine chaplet, even praying um, prayers and litanies, coming to adoration, all of those things, you know, they help us to become stronger. And, and not only become stronger, but also to delight in the things of God. And the more we delight in those things, the more we want to do these things. And the closer we come to God, the more we imitate Him, then the more we act by Christ, and we become really truly Christians, as, as we're called. So all of those devotions are so necessary, and in order to aid our you know, our spiritual life. And one of those uh, important devotions, which I, I say every day, especially when I get in the car, is to, to say a prayer uh, to St. Michael the Archangel to defend us in battle. Because, you know, when you're driving, uh, sometimes there's road rage, sometimes there's billboards, sometimes all, all kinds of things, and you want to keep your, your mind focused on what is true and good. And so he's very powerful in that in trying to keep us or any of distractions or temptations away from us. And those are the kind of things that we need to be doing as Catholics. We need to be praying often. And uh, when we get in the car or when we, um, when we arrive at a place or before meals or in the mornings and the evenings when we wake up and we go to bed, all of these things help us um, to focus on what we're doing here on earth. We're here as pilgrims on earth to a destiny, and what is that? That is eternal life. So we have to help each other, and we can't help each other unless we ourselves uh, first help ourselves by receiving the sacraments, by receiving those holy um, uh, divine mysteries which make us strong. And St. Michael, in a special way, he aids us in that because, as you recall what our Lord said, you know, that the angels of God, you know, they behold the Heavenly Father. So they see God but yet they're here to help us. 
So they know how to inspire us. They know how to move us to to love God so that we can behold Him one day uh, like they do in eternity in heaven. And so the more and more we pray to our guardian angels, to St. Michael, the more and more he will focus us on the things that are uh, good, true, and uh, beautiful. And that's why um, that devotion to him and to the saints and to the angels is so important, because it seasons our love for God, and uh, and it, it enhances our life of prayer. My brothers and sisters, we are so blessed to have the Norbertine Order here in the Diocese of Orange and beyond, and they make such a big difference in terms of our own spiritual life, our spiritual health. And I have just a message to everyone. So many people, and I have young adult ministry reporting up through me, many young adults and many adults, of course, exercise, which is a very good thing. They'll spend time in various clubs. They'll do three to five days of weightlifting or running or jogging, and that's all great. They're building and they're exercising and they're, they're, they're trying to be physically healthy. But what about your spiritual health? To what extent do you build spiritual muscle? To what extent is your prayer life growing and expanding? You mentioned adoration. I'm actually responsible for the fostering of adoration in the Diocese of Orange. I can't emphasize enough the power of adoration, even if you have 15 minutes. Obviously, if you can do a holy hour, so much the better. But I also want to point out to go to the the Abbey for adoration, but also St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist is a Norbertine parish in Costa Mesa. And to go to their chapel, which is 24-7, right? You have to have a code after hours. They have a monstrance that is heavenly, that is just unbelievable. I'm sure you've seen it, Father. It is absolutely unbelievable. And you feel the presence of God in such a deep way when you're in adoration in general. We're running out of time here, but one final thought about a lot of people think of adoration as being kind of optional. I don't think it's optional, for, at least for me right now. I, I have daily adoration. Look for, obviously, when the, the Blessed Sacrament is exposed. But you don't have to. You can go into a chapel with the Blessed Sacrament and be there for adoration. Your thoughts on that, Father, and the importance of adoration? Oh, I think that's a sine qua non. Uh, we need to uh, we need to adore the Blessed Sacrament. It's important for us to go to Mass to receive the Holy Eucharist, but to adore Him in the true presence. You know, that's that's one of the most um, distinctive parts of our faith that Christ not only became man in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then lived here for 33 uh, or so many years, and then died and rose, and then ascended into heaven, but that he continues to remain with us in a very, very definite way, his body, blood, his soul, and his divinity, and that you can come to him there, and you can spend time with them and let him speak to you. I think that that's such a great gift that we cannot discount. And, you know, if someone was offering you in this little room a million dollars, I guarantee you that there would be lines outside to get in to get his million dollars. And here is Christ himself worth infinite, infinitely much more. And why isn't there so many people coming to adore him like that? We really need to spend uh, more time in that silence so that we can let him speak to us. One of the things that uh, a spiritual director once told me, and I, I've always taken this to heart, is that God has given you two ears and one mouth, meaning that you need to listen twice as much as you speak. And I think sometimes when we, when we pray, we start saying things all the time, but we don't listen. And adoration is the perfect time to be there with our Lord, present there, and listen. Listen in the deep recesses of our hearts what he wants from us. My brothers and sisters, this has been just a wonderful time with Father Justin from St. Michael's Abbey. Again, September 29th. Be there at 5 p.m. for Vesters. Support the seminarians afterwards with the dinner that follows. Father, this has been just fantastic. Thank you for your, all of your guidance and insight. And would you close us out with a blessing? Absolutely. 
absolutely. And thank you for having me on uh, on this uh, program. It has really been a joy to speak to you, uh, Deacon Greco. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against, against the wickedness, wickedness and snares of the devil. Of the devil. May the God rebuke him, we humbly pray. We humbly pray. And do thou, o Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan, all, all the evil spirits who go about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father, so much. And thank you, everyone. We'll be on next week at the same time as Deacon Steve Greco. You've been on Empowered by the Spirit. God bless everyone. We're thrilled that you joined us today on Empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit is a production of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. For more information about Spirit-Filled Hearts, visit our website, spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard here on Empowered by the Spirit, contact us by email at empowered at spiritfilledhearts.org. That's empowered at spiritfilledhearts.org. We hope you'll tell a friend about our program and ask them to join us next week at this same time. We look forward to being with you again right here next week. In the studios of Spirit-Filled Radio, we hear powerful stories about real-life situations every day. Recently, Katie Hughes of the Thy Kingdom Come podcast welcomed two young women who were getting ready for their first years of college dorm life. Listen to the words of a brave young lady named Jenna. Jenna, do you know who your roommate is yet? No, so I've actually had a little bit of trouble with that. I originally had a roommate... And when Roe v. Wade got overturned, I posted a video on my Instagram story of Mother Teresa talking about unborn babies and, like, how their lives matter, basically. Yeah. And how, like, the saddest thing is, like, a mother killing her own child. Me and Jess both just saw so many people posting that they were upset about it being overturned. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to, like put ourselves out there for the people that are too afraid to basically um that would agree with us so she saw that post and she ended up messaging me and saying that she didn't want a room anymore so well you know what praise god (laughs) (laughs) one thing is pray for her because they're listening to lies of the enemy about abortion but that the lord will bring someone else a better choice for you thank you for standing up for life Be encouraged, for young people such as this are the future of our church. For more great content, check out SpiritFilledEvents.com. Spirit-Filled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. SpiritFilledEvents.com. You're listening to Spirit-Filled Radio. We've all heard the expression, out of the mouths of babes. Well, here's a word about sacred moments from Kelly Hudson, a recent guest on the OC Catholic radio show and podcast with Rick Howick. I tell this story where years ago, I was sitting at my computer. I had to give a speech on sacred moments. And I was sitting at my computer trying to figure out the definition of sacred moments for hours, it seemed. And my seven-year-old son came up and he said, I know what it is mom and you know like any other mom I went oh for God's sake humor me (laughs) and he said this is a true story he said that sacred moments are something that touch you so deeply inside that you can never describe it with words and sometimes it even makes you better and I thought I just clean dog poop off this kid's shoes what What is happening here but he was right those moments that you can't describe that change you for the better And I'll tell you, on a weight loss television show, every moment there is a sacred moment. When you can just be present and listen and be a part of someone else's life, it changes both of you for the better. For more great content, check out spiritfilledradio.org. Spiritfilled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. Spiritfilledradio.org. 
Okay, time now to fess up. Do you ever press the snooze button? Here's a word from Father Scott Borgman, a recent guest on the Fullness of Grace radio program on Spirit-Filled Radio. The very first thing is what's called the, the miracle moment. When you wake up, your alarm goes off, winning the battle of not hitting that snooze button because hitting the snooze button is like high-fiving the devil. It's giving in to the laziness of our bodies which want to just kind of continue resting rather than dedicating the day to our Lord. For more, come find us at spiritfilledmedia.org. That's spiritfilledmedia.org. Words of inspiration from the founder and president of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry, Deacon Steve Greco. Well, you know the difference between a power tool and a regular tool, right? Well, that's the difference between using the power of the Holy Spirit and just going along and not doing it. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that changes lives, that cuts through addiction, that changes people's hearts, that restores families. For more great content, check out spiritfilledradio.org. Spiritfilled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. Spiritfilledradio.org. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.